Hello and welcome to the Connecting Creatives podcast. Hello and welcome to the Connecting Creatives podcast. So today I'm here with Daniel. Daniel is, he runs a school called Mindful Acting um, in Manchester and he's also the artistic director of Play with Fire Productions. Play with Fire Productions, and you run that with Hannah. Hannah Ellis, Hannah Ellis Ryan, as she's known. Yeah, um, <laughs> so she's been a um, a guest on the podcast mm-hmm. previous to you. Um, so first of all, we're going to get to know you um, with our quick five questions. First question: If you were an animal, what would you be? Uh, oh, actually, me and my girlfriend talk about this quite a lot. Um, <laughs> I think the easy answer would be a dog. Mm. Yeah. But uh, it does change on a, on a kind of, yeah. you know, day-to-day basis. <laughs> right, right now, actually, me and my girlfriend, are, we're off animals. We're on to just inanimate objects. So yeah. Easy, yeah. So. Oh, we play <laughs> that game all the time. I've decided that I'm definitely a penguin mm-hmm. because I've actually got reason as well. Because I'm always cold. Right. I'm mm-hmm. always cold. Yeah. And I like kind of snuggling and like yeah. cuddling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and penguins, I think it's true that the male looks after the egg, mm-hmm. like yep. the baby egg, and then the woman goes off to hunt. Yep. And I just like, I just like that. And they make for life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So March that's of the Penguins. Thank yeah. you. So Thank which, you, Morgan Freeman. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> So which, um, if you're a dog, mm-hmm. what kind of dog would you be? Uh, I think a lab. I mean, it's such a boring yeah. answer, you know, no, but, but it, there's just that, that thing. Do you uh, eat a lot? <laughs> I, I do, I do. I've, I've gotten better recently, <laughs> yeah. portion sizes, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I could, you could say I'm a glutton, oh, that's for sure. Oh, I yeah. love like a dog. Yeah. They're cute. I mean, actually, but I'll tell you what, I remember in drama school, mm. uh, you know, I, I wanted to be a dog. But of course, everyone else had declared I was some kind of bird. Apparently, right. the way I move is very bird-like. Mm. So, yeah. So. Did you do um, like animals? Yeah, yeah, we definitely did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So did we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, which drama school did you go to? Out of curiosity. It was called the University of Southern Queensland in oh, okay. Australia. That's where oh, I studied right, with yeah. Hannah. Ah, we studied together. Right, of yeah. Lovely. Um, so, what is your favourite TV show at the moment, if you have one? That can be Netflix. Oh boy! Reality, oh, um, that's so tough. Drama. My favourite. Uh, okay, so I just finished watching The Good Place. Yeah. So for comedies, that like with depth mm. and like it's right into the philosophy, but like very, very. I thought it was a really powerful ending. Yeah. Um, I, de- <laughs> I was watching it. The final episode aired. The other day, I won't give any spoilers, but uh, I, I literally had to pause the episode and just cry for five minutes. Oh, <laughs> I love just, stuff that does that to you, though. Yeah, I it just that. was dealing with, you know, death, you yeah. know, and I was like, wow, for comedy to deal this well with this subject matter, probably mm. better than any drama yeah. I've seen, you know, just the existential crisis. Yeah. I thought that was um, just right up my alley. Oh, yeah. nice. So that, I've not seen one. that, to be honest. Mm. I'm, I'm going to have to add that to my list. Very good. Great cast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really high quality nice. comedy, you know, still comedy, mm. but it, it shows that it doesn't have to. Mm. It doesn't have to be base. It doesn't have to be the lowest common n- denominator. Yeah, yeah, be yeah. Funny for many, yeah. many people, but still have depth. Yeah, you know? that I found that. I don't know if you've seen it with Fleabag as well. Oh yeah, Fleabag's amazing. 
Yeah. It's so good. So oh, good. Yeah. In the um, I'd literally I was quite a late comer to the program. Me too. Um, I was resistant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was resistant because yeah. everyone else was watching it, and yeah. I was just like. I'm one of those people where when everyone else is doing something, I'm yep. not very keen on joining in. Exactly me. I don't yeah. like the whole sheep thing of yep. following everyone else's opinion. Yeah, I'm the uh, same. Yeah, we, yeah. We, I, it's, it's called counter will, I believe. Yeah. yeah. It's like someone says yes, I'm just like, no. No. <laughs> I have no good reasons, but. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what I think that's why I've held out from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because I'm kind of like, I'm bored of hearing it. So yeah. if I'm bored of hearing it, it's not going to make me want to yeah. watch it. Yeah, I hear you. Um, but yeah, I found that with Fleabag, definitely. Mm, very um, I don't really want to say any spoilers or anything, but definitely there's a bit at the end of the second series, well, the, the end of it pretty mm. much, and it was heartbreaking in yeah. a way, yeah. but the whole show is a, is a comedy, and it yeah. just shows that it's not all... To be a comedy, it doesn't have to be one note, does yes. it? It can be... Yeah have so many more different dynamics in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Third question, if you could meet anyone from the past or present, who would you meet? I, I, I talk about this one a fair bit. I tell you what, there's two people who whose writings um, are particularly inspiring to me right now. Mm. Uh, one of them passed away last year or the year before. His name was John Wellwood, and he wrote a book called Perfect Love, Imperfect Relationships which has been really impactful for yeah. me for the last on, in the last few years really about compassion and self-compassion it's it's not it's not as woolly as it sounds he was a he was a um, psychologist clinical psychologist but mm-hmm. also a buddhist and he spent his career uh trying to blend the two and see how both uh, address uh, different aspects of our our being you mm-hmm. know and 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 both can be very necessary yeah. um but also uh, complement each other very well uh, so I guess he's slightly the past. I know we're probably looking for like Lincoln or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Brené Brown, uh, who wrote a book called Daring Greatly, and she's very big on TED TED Talks. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. got a couple on there. She's got a Netflix special. Uh, her book Daring Greatly really uh, was a big turning point in my life. Yeah. She's a shame and vulnerability researcher. God, these oh, okay. sound so serious, no, no, but they you no, know they were just they're very um, good communicators mm. and and they they're what they've found or discovered or, or you know, just um, written about, uh, I find have been very clear at communicating to me personally. Yeah. So those two people. That's really interesting, actually. Um, I read a book called The Chimp Paradox. Mm-hmm. I've heard um, of it, yeah. And that was, I'm really interested in psychology and how mm. the brain works and things, especially because I do have a social anxiety mm-hmm. and I have a generalized anxiety as well. So just knowing how your brain does actually work mm-hmm. for me was some something that was really en- interesting mm. and definitely helped me re-trigger my brain yeah. to maybe have a more healthy mindset mm-hmm. in um, certain situations. I hear you. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting because no one else has like answered with um, a writer that has like changed changed a lot of how they think or about their life, and it's like I've got one more. Okay, Sorry, you just no, saying I was thinking who else would I think of? You uh, need to give me a list of these books, by the way. Yeah, I'll <laughs> give you a list. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you a list at the end. 
because uh, there's another book I got to tell you about that you you might really love. It's a bit dense, but it's uh, I'm still I'm still working through it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been it's been really great. Yeah. Um, but the other person I'd, I would really like to meet soon because he's getting on. Uh, sorry if that's rude. <laughs> um, is Alan Alda. Okay. Alan Alda from um, well, most people might know him from Mash. Yeah. Uh, very famous actor. He's he's been in lots of movies recently. He's been in. He was just in um, A Marriage Story. He was the lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 the fuddy duddy kind of lawyer. Yeah. yeah. He's, and he's he's such a great. Ali he's just been an inspiration for me. Mash is my favorite show. Yeah. Um, he was also in my second favorite show, The West Wing. So he right. just appears in these places, and I just like who he. I think well, who I think he is. Who you know, mm. you never really known. But I I I really admire what he did back when you know back in the seventies and eighties and stuff and the agendas he pushed on shows like MASH and mm. uh, was an outspoken advocate for, you know, uh, equality and women's rights and stuff like that back in a time when it wasn't necessarily the thing to do. Yeah. Uh, not that there haven't been even more impactful people, but, and something that I look for, I always liked in actors that I've discovered about myself recently was I searched for actors and I'd look at their personal lives because I wanted to know that it was possible to have a healthy you know, challenging but, per, you know, uh, balanced somewhat personal life, yeah. you know, instead of having to have every story be, you know, uh, falling down the rabbit hole of drugs and celebrity and, mm. and you know, affair after affair. And, yeah. you know, I'm not, not to take like a judgmental thing, but I just thought, I was thought, I don't want that sacrifice for myself. Mm. I don't want to, I don't want it to feel like in order to have a uh, meaningful sustainable and and you know uh, successful in my view career i don't have to sacrifice my personal life for that and so some of the times yeah. these are the actors who i i tend to admire and uh, meryl streep and dan day lewis mm. and from my i understand you know i'm sure their lives are challenging like anyone's mm. but they've managed to keep that side of it um somewhat strong as well i find that impressive yeah so those people kind of got yeah. inspire me yeah i i agree i think Sometimes you can find certain celebrities who are actors who are in the entertainment industry are always in the newspaper, mm-hmm. always in the newspaper, and it's kind of like, like I'm sure, I'm sure, I don't know, like people always go on about David Beckham yeah. <laughs> and how fit he is and how the yeah. how some people you know are so inspired by him. But every newspaper, I could go and buy a newspaper now and find David Beckham in there mm. for some stupid reason mm. that <laughs> that just like is not worth worth my time personally reading about because why would I want to know about mm. what David Beckham ate for breakfast and blah 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 mm. um or you know like the latest big thing that's in the magazines about how someone's had an affair with who and and everything that society gets wrapped up in mm. Um, but yeah, I'm, ve- I'm very much of the same opinion that if if an actor does have quite not necessarily a peaceful life because shit happens yeah. to everyone. Yeah, yeah it's not <laughs> um, a choice. No, yeah. but um, when maybe they don't flaunt it as well, like in front of the press and things mm. like that, and mm. you hear about like Justin Bieber who got involved in a paparazzi fight, and it's like, mm, and like mm. I'd in a in a way, I do understand how that can be frustrating and stuff. But it is nice when you just hear that someone's 
just being yeah. a, like a normal person, yeah, just living. There's something as inspiring as, about that. Yeah. And I think it's why people gravitated to characters like, you know, Keanu Reeves and stuff like yeah. that. You just, you don't hear, you know, and once again, like I say, you know, all we can really send is compassion to people who are, you know, who are celebrities in a certain sense. Cause it, yeah. I don't, I don't want it. You know, yeah. I don't want that. That sounds like a, like a lot of, uh, drama, mm. you know, um, in a sense. And, but yeah, you see these people who you just gravitate towards them cause you're like, well, once again, not knowing these people at all, you know, all we, we, we get are tidbits, but you, you get a sense like, oh, okay, they just, they're just trying to live a life yeah. and do what they want, you mm. know, in terms of, you know, do ha- live a meaningful life in mm. terms of their artistry and that. Um, but yeah, but not getting swept up in, you know, and it's hard to find a balance, I'm sure, at that level. Yeah. But I, I always find the people who seem to manage it, well, they're the ones who I, I prefer to look to, to, yeah. to for inspiration of, mm. well, that maybe if I do similar things to what they do, then I might find that balance for myself as I go on. Yeah, I feel like I definitely find that in my day-to-day life as well. Mm. Um, I'm definitely, within my friend group or family or whatever, I'm definitely, I gravitate towards people um, who have got a grasp on their mental welfare, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a bit and grounding. Yeah, and people who are grounded and yeah. are, uh, who are at one with themselves. Yeah. Or trying to be. You know, yeah, there's at least try, this, this, yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. an examined life. Yeah, you know. definitely. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, what was the last piece of theatre that you watched? Uh, oh, goodness. It was a little bit because I've been, I've been away for a bit. I was yeah. away travelling. So the last piece of theatre I watched, I think it was... I must have seen something else. But the last thing I remember was uh, I saw the three Shakespeare's from the Royal Shakespeare Company when they came to the Lowry at the mm. end of last year. That's the last thing I can remember. Mm. I'm sure there's been something else I've seen since. But um, no, there was something. Well, actually, the last <laughs> no, the, technically the last piece of theatre I saw was my own play, <laughs> which ah. was like a week or two. It was like two weeks ago. I think it, you know, it was at the King's Arms. Yeah. That was the last thing I saw. Okay, right. so you mentioned your play. Mm-hmm. Um, can you... Tell us about this and yeah. um, how it went. Was it through Play With Fire? Yeah, it's Play With yeah. Fire. So Danny in the Deep Blue Sea, it was called. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's a two-hander. Hannah was in it, Hannah Ellis Ryan um, and Danny Solomon. Yeah. Um, and it's a play we actually did last year, I think September was when we... F- no, we did it in the Fringe last year. Yeah. And then we, uh, and then we had a slot available at Hope Mill um, in September. So we then brought it back for that. Um, and then I think it was the King's Arms uh, asked us to, to come back, bring it back again, if we would be willing to bring it back again for two nights for you know, the Best of the Fringe. I think that's what it was involved in um, at the King's Arms. So then we, we brought it back again yeah. um, for the latest the latest time, which was about two weeks ago, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. So um, what for anyone who didn't get to see it, I mm. know a lot of people did, mm. um, but what was the story about so it was about uh these two uh, a man and a woman these two i'd say uh maybe down on their luck people yeah. from uh the bronx in new york and uh they i guess they meet in a bar or a pub uh they're both volatile they're both really at the end of their tethers they're about to something's about to happen mm. in a n- not productive way in their lives you know they're okay. both really about to explode or implode 
and they by chance kind of come across each other and are searching for love you know not maybe consciously Mm. they're searching for what they've not had their whole lives you know from their families and they're both coming from a lot of trauma and um yeah and they and they in in each other they find unlikely uh compassion yeah. and love and 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 non-judgment you know and it's is beautiful and it's about growth and these two people uh I- in a sense doing more to try to grow than many of us do a lot of the times you yeah. know and yet yet we might look down on people like this in such a situation from you know from our own place of privilege I'm not you know a huge fan of that word, but you know um, that 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 would be accurate. And then, but seeing these two people really strive and struggle to to make a better life for themselves, yeah. When they've been born into the conditions they've been born into, it's just bad luck. Yeah. You know, we all have the hand of cards we're dealt, and these two were not dealt a good hand, and they make the best of it. You know, and it's so it's it's really it's it's a it's a it's funny, mm. it's incredibly tragic. You know. But it's incredibly, incredibly tragic where they come from and where they get to is incredibly hopeful. Yeah. What I, why I really love this story. I don't think there's, there's only been a few times I've not cried on hearing certain lines or reading certain lines from that play because as John Patrick Shanley, the playwright, says, uh, this play does not exist in a, you know, a literal reality as such, but yeah. it is emotionally real. You know, yeah. it is, is emotionally true that so even the set and everything he dictates that there shouldn't be any right angles. Mm. Um, it shouldn't look like a real place that all oh, the only props and set that are used should be what is sa- stated in the in the play. Yeah. You know, so no set dressing. But so we should get sucked into the emotional story of these two. Yeah. yeah. That's that sounds amazing. Mm. <laughs> I wish I'd have seen it. I really do. I really wanted to go and see it, especially um, at the King's Arms the other mm. week. Mm. Um, but I think it's interesting that you say that um, it sounded like look, the set and stuff like that was quite stripped yeah, back very in stripped order back. to um, portray that um, yeah. emotion even further. Well, it sucks you in yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, I think the worst, I think a lot of people would resonate with this, the worst you know, they, they joke about it on plenty of shows. The worst thing you can get as an actor or as a director or anything is, is someone saying, wow, what a great set. You know, you're like, yeah. uh, it's like that should, bl- everything should blend in together. It's yeah. like someone commenting on the editing in a film. Mm. If, you've, if you can notice it, it's, you know, it's not a good thing. Yeah. It's like you want it to all come together and say, what a, what a coherent production, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I'm not a fan of, of, of reviews and, and criticism as a in general you know, it might make me unpopular but um, because I think it starts to point out things uh, and break things into bits and, and I don't know if that's a healthy way to look at art yeah you know I think we should be striving to to not pull it apart right away but to see it and experience it as a whole mm. and, and you know and then if we need to yeah as the creators break it down to make it more whole again yeah you know so I think when you look at painting for example you don't judge it on one bit do mm-hmm. you? you you judge it as a whole you yeah. judge it as the picture from what you're painting as a full yeah as a straight thing do you know what i mean yeah and, it, and, it, and it's you know you you like it or you don't yeah and i think the idea yeah. once again this is make, make me unpopular but the idea of like describing why 
something should or shouldn't be liked. My brother described to me like this once. He's like, do you like onions? And I was like, yes. And he's like, well, what if I told you all the reasons you shouldn't like onions? Will it make you stop liking onions? And I'm like, well, not really. Mm. And yet it's funny. We do this with all sorts of other things. Mm. Like we, we don't accept that we just have taste. We have a taste and that I can like something and, uh, you know, or I can dislike something and, and it still be good. It still be of a quality, yeah. you know, but we, we get confused on this sometimes. Like we think like, because I didn't like it, it must not have been good. Mm. It must not have had effort put into it or creativity and stuff. And, and I think it's, it's much healthier if we just go, if we, if we're, if we're talking about these things, you know, to go, I, I liked it or I didn't, you know? Mm. And, and then, you know, maybe as the creative and the constructors of these sorts of things, we can then break down what aspects may have fallen short in certain ways for our own growth yeah. and not to tear down each other based on, um, you know, just finding reasons. And so mm. anyway, I know I'm all kind of on a tangent there, but no, no. I think it's, yeah. So uh, when it comes to the play, you know, I think everything for me in my mind as a director ca- comes together, you know, Hannah and Danny did brilliantly, you yeah. know, they work together, they listen to each other. Uh, and that that's supported by a set that brings us focuses in on just them and lighting that doesn't spill out too far and i think in a sense what i what i've started realizing over my career is that um if you have too much uh, money if you have too much resources it stops you from being creative Mm. Uh, actually the limitations as this had it we didn't have funding for this production it was just we wanted to get in the room and spend time and make good art together yeah you know um, and having those limitations make you be creative, yeah. you know, make you work within it. And you have to, you have to have a box to think outside of, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. if you don't have, there's no, no box to think outside of. It's not really, you know, yeah. you tend to not get your best work. I yeah, think. that's interesting. Mm. So you can't, if you, you know, if you, you've got to work with what you have and yeah. make the best out of it. And that could make you think of something different that no one else has yeah that's right if you've always got you know if you need to make rain you've always got a rain machine you always need snow you always got a snow machine if you've always got Mm. you know this you've always got the literal thing itself and and i mean i'm speaking mostly for theater here and there's never a way to kind of how can we create this like oh we don't have the budget for that how do we how do we you know convey this important bit of information Mm. um you know in a creative way that links into the whole project itself the whole you know product i think that's what's um that's exciting i used to really begrudge it you know in a sense like i just want the frame you know but now i'm like wait actually i maybe i don't because it's never as good as you think when you get it you're like it's not quite what i thought it would be it's not quite the right rain yeah exactly so you better off coming up with your own new creative (laughs) yeah yeah, different thing Yeah. yeah um what are you excited for? Uh, uh, not to drop it in, but we've got a new another play coming out oh, soon. Good. Yeah, yeah, so another play coming in uh, end of March and April in Liverpool and Manchester called Some Voices. Okay. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. Uh, I'll be acting in that one. Ooh. Yeah. So it's been it's been a little bit. Uh, I've been directing uh, along the last year. So this year's yeah. It's uh, we were meant to do this play last year, but we had to yeah. postpone it. So yeah, I'm going to act in this play. Is, has been in fact, well, I call it my heart play. Yeah. Uh, not to sound something very woolly today, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I call it my heart play because uh, it's it's really been my favorite play since I was about eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and can you tell us a bit about what it's yeah. about? Yeah, it's called Some Voices. Yeah. So it's about a young man 
uh, who's released from uh, a mental health institution uh, back in the 90s. Mm. Um, and he's uh, trying to reintegrate into the world. So he's, he's you know, sent to live with his brother, his older brother, um, and trying to repair and kind of reintegrate that relationship, which was never particularly strong. Yeah. Um, he falls in love and all these different things, but it's about trying to reintegrate and, and finding the balance um, with such a tricky um, diagnosis mm. as of schizophrenia is what yeah. he has. So, um, yeah, it's, it's about that. But it, what I love about it is it's dealing, once again, like we talked about earlier, like the good place or, you know, or, or, or Fleabag, maybe even a much better example, actually. It's, it's really heartfelt, deep subject matter, mm. but with such a deft hand. Yeah. It's so it's got such levity to it. It never feels like a slog. It never feels yeah. like you're dragging yourself through it. The comedy, the lightness of it, um, mirrors something to uh, reality more so. I think you mm. know the, the the comedy and tragedy and, and vice versa. Yeah. So I think it's yeah it's a really really beautiful, funny, uh, heartbreaking, heartwarming. Yeah. Play. yeah. Yeah. I was speaking to a director last week. Um, and she was say she said something that really stuck in my my mind actually, and she was like, I'd rather watch a piece of theatre where, for example, the two characters it's a sad moment and the two characters are having to leave each other forever. Mm. Yeah. But she was like, if you kind of put sad music in there and violins and it makes you watch it mm-hmm. and. For her, she mm. said, it makes her not as sad or not as emotionally involved yeah. as if it was like, you know, you could hear party music or some, something that yeah. was uplifting to juxtapose, like mm. to kind of contradict the mood. Yeah, the contrast. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, like the contrast in that scene yeah. would make her far more emotionally yeah. engaged into it. I think. I think that's an insightful uh, comment. And I think... Yeah. You know, none of these things are always true, but I think that's that certainly would be more of the case for me too. Mm. I think in a some in a certain sense, yeah, we can get really we can really fall into um, pandering or or spoon feeding audiences. Yeah. And we've come in. I was talking to a friend just recently about this and talking about what is the audience's uh, responsibility. Mm. You know, what is their duty when they come to the theater or to, yeah. to art instead of just being, you know. Um, receivers yeah you know but i think we've we, you know we've we've lost that sense of communion between mm. art and uh, and and an audience and i think we need that back i think we need to be training audiences how to how to yeah. be how to be present because that's what's required and how to share energy you know actors and performers and everyone else they give so much energy to something and the only way they can sustain it through a production through a run is that the audience gives it back, mm. you know? And we've all been in the, the ones where the actors aren't giving us anything. Yeah. And we, we, we therefore, we feel very uh, taken advantage of or it's a waste of our time. Yeah. But I think we also need, uh, can get very entitled and we, get, we expect that they're there to give us their energy and we're there to just yeah. absorb it and not give it back. But I think that's the whole, that's the whole reason for applause. Mm. That's the whole reason for standing ovations is to say is to give this energy back that of so much what was given to you. You know, you feel like they just gave me everything there and I have to give this energy back somehow, but decorum, 
prevents me from rushing the stage and kissing them. Yeah. You know, we used to throw flowers and stuff, but now all we can do is, you know, go back to our chimp brain and just start smack our hands together, you know, to throw the energy back. And I think that's, anyway, my point was about, you know, the, the, how we pander and stuff to an audience. I I think we fall into having to spoon feed them too much and demonstrate, here's what I'm feeling right now. And, and this, you know, that falls into, I think, unskillful acting. And I think it falls into unskillful artistry when it's done in movies and stuff, too. It's like we we need to remember that an audience is part of the storytelling process, not just the receivers of the story. Mm. They will interpret whatever happens. And if you allow them to do that, they'll receive slightly different, slightly individual versions, but they'll also feel part of the collective. They'll feel part of that, like I say, communion yeah. with the experience. And they'll come out you know, having experienced it slightly different, but also bound, you know, experience together with each other and with the artists. And that will make us, and then then we can feel a real sense of connection and gratitude to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I'm now on to the news section, Mm. which is a new section on this podcast. Okay. Um, Worst person for this, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, this is like, this is a more of an opinion question. Sure. So on... Good Morning Britain, uh-huh. <laughs> they were talking about whether um, children or pupils in school should have to stand for a teacher mm-hmm. when they walk into the room, mm-hmm. which to me reminds me of like aristocracy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, are you of the opinion that young people or people in school should have to respect their teachers by standing mm-hmm. whilst they walk into the room, or are you of the op- opinion that that's... Having not had much time to think about it, my, my knee-jerk reaction would be that to respect is earned. Yeah. You know, not... Uh, you know, I, I think the, the argument on the other side to that would be that you're not, you're not, res- you're not showing respect to the person but to the position. Um. And I don't know, I think there's, there's pros and cons to both things, but no, I certainly, uh, being who I wasn't in school, I would not have stood, <laughs> you yeah. know? Um, and I think if you're going to ask someone to stand or do anything, and I think we need to start treating young people with, with more respect in the mm. first place and with more autonomy than yeah. telling them what to do because we said so, um, I think you'd need to explain the value mm. in doing such a thing because... Um, and I think anything like that should always be mutual, you know, yeah. it should always be mutual. If, if, if one has to stand for another, then the other has to stand in return. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I'm th- that's not saying that we, that I don't believe in any sort of hierarchy ever. I think hierarchies are a necessity at times, but, um, not for, not because of some sort of power dynamic once again that gets to our heads but to for the simple workings of things some people think look at the big picture and some people look at smaller pictures and Mm. that's how the hierarchy should go in my opinion most of the time down to the more specifics versus the the big picture things that's how hierarchy should work not i am the one who says so because i've been given the most power it just Mm. doesn't make sense to me like that um so yeah when in the in answer to that i'd say no, I don't like it. Yeah, and I, and you'd have you'd have to give me a good reason. Yeah, why well. I would do it. You mm. know, but if someone's you know, when I go to when I travel, you know, I travel a lot through uh, Southeast Asia, uh, for example, Japan. People bow, I bow. 
Mm. You know, I don't go, well, no, I won't bow. Yeah. You know, I go, of course, I'll bow. This mm. is great. Everyone bows to me. I bow to them. I love it. Yeah. We're bowing to each other. I shake yeah. someone's hand when they offer it. Um, you know, but reciprocity is the is is an essential quality of being uh, of a functioning human social species. Mm. You know. And I think that's what's ca- what's made it hel- helped us get this far. Yeah. Uh, not, not a domineering hierarchy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like if I, if someone put their hand out to someone, mm-hmm. there's a, the other person is reciprocating. That's that. right. So it's a joint yeah. thing. But like if someone, unless someone was rude or didn't necessarily like the person, mm. then, then that would be taken away. But um, yeah. from the other person. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, I was just watching it and I was like, th- this to me is is for a pupil or a or a kid at school saying, you know, this person is better. Mm-hmm. This person is better than me because I'm standing to them when they walk in the room. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure that mm-hmm. teacher wouldn't stand when the kids went out of the room. Well, that well that's right. I think and there there could be good there like one could reframe the tradition in a positive sense for example both could stand for each other yeah you know we stand out of respect for you know teachers have a hard job yeah you know and and there's a lot of good teachers out there that frankly are owed more respect than they get Mm. from the students and you know the establishments oh yeah absolutely and i think we can we certainly can honor that like what they're doing is giving a lot of energy just like performers Mm. to a group of people and that's hard and then uh, and then a teacher can honor uh, the energy that young people are giving to be in that place. Because, mm. you know, I mean, they're only there right now because they're forced to be. But at the same time, they're they're p- doing their best to s- survive a very aggressive and high-pressure educational system. Yeah, absolutely. It's like that whole thing of, um, like, Downton Abbey, which mm. I'm a very big fan of. Mm-hmm. I cried in the movie too. I'm crying oh, at everything right I now. I cried in yeah. the movie. I <laughs> cried at the end. I cried in many, many bits of that yeah. program. Um, but like when when a lady comes into the room, mm. the the men have to stand for the lady. Mm. And mm. I think I thought that was really interesting. Just learning about that mm. through watching Downton Abbey, and, mm. and I was a bit like, I personally don't know, but where has that come from? Where has that mindset come from that you stand for a lady? Yeah. Um, which is, you know, yeah, it's fine. It's just yeah. that society at the time, to me, yeah, wouldn't have echoed that. Yeah. So yeah. It just it was just like a bit of a mind fuck to be honest. I yeah. was a bit like, what is going? Yeah, what yeah. is this? Yeah. Um, and and it, and once again, it's, it's a thing like I don't want to. I don't think we should be trying to take away, uh, you know, uh, valuable traditions and stuff like that. But if it's coming from a place of respect, then we should be doing more of it, not less, you know? Yeah. So I don't think, like, we should not stand for a teacher. Mm. But I think it's like, but we should stand in reverse as well. Yeah. You know? And I think we, we shouldn't not stand for a lady. It's we should stand for everyone. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. someone comes to the dinner table and you stand. I don't know. You know, I'm not saying we. I'm trying, I am trying. want to impose any of this. But mm. I'm saying if it's already an existing thing, mm. extend it out as long as it's coming from a good uh, place, you know? Yeah. It's a place of, of kindness and compassion mm. and, and yeah, and mutual presence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to talk about um, your work and mm-hmm. what you do. Um, but first of all, I wanted to ask how you got into theatre and entertainment in the first place. 
Yeah, so, um, I mean, I guess like everyone, you know, always just been that kind of kid in a sense. You know, I was always, um, I was a, a somewhat performative, even mm-hmm. if it was just in my family home. Yeah. You know, um, it wasn't until high school, I was, I was always performing and I always loved it, but I'd never had considered it could be a career. Yeah. I really, until high school, and I think part of it was denial. You know, uh, I had a best friend in high school who he was, you know, a very talented um, actor and, and he was kind of always getting the leads and that and, yeah. and, and you know, justifiably so. Um, and I always secretly was, you know, we, we were kind of acting partners and acting buddies together. We really took it seriously, yeah. you know. Uh, but but I didn't, you know, I always was kind of like, well, he's the actor of the school and, and kind of mm-hmm. the second, you know, I'm like one yeah. who no one, everyone was like, oh, you know, you, you could be great in this and but for me, it was always it, I didn't I wasn't always getting that same in reinforcement maybe. So I didn't realize that anyone else looked at me in the same way that I looked at myself, which was an actor, you yeah. know, an artist. Uh, until I think it was year ten or eleven. It was this we did the school musical, and I, I wasn't going to audition, and I and I was like I was like no, I really do want to audition. I really want to do this. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't tell anyone because I was didn't you know wasn't sure, and I turned up. Um, at the audition, and the, the teacher, you know, who was directing it, had had already cast me, you know, yeah. and she was like, you know, oh, I want you for this part, mm. or I want you to audition for that, and I was like, oh, well, I was going to audition for these parts too. And she's like, you can audition for that too. I just really think you'd be great at this. Yeah. And you know, and it wasn't the lead, mm. but it didn't matter. Yeah. She wanted me for. She saw me in a way that I saw myself, mm-hmm. and that and that I never really thought anyone else would. And so after that, I was like, okay. And then I started thinking of it, it was something I could do after I finished school. Uh, and then, you know, so that was just it after that, really. Yeah. Kind of stopped going to math class and started <laughs> dedicating that time to, Don't to my... Don't blame you on Yeah, <laughs> 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 Drama and, and oh, you know, dance that, and film TV. That's lovely, that. So yeah. what, oh, what musical was it, Al? It was, you know, one of those Seriously. high school musicals. It was called uh, Back to the 80s. It's oh cheesy you know it's a it's a you know contrived as it gets but it's it was fun and funny i was the the nerdy uh character fergal mcferrin which my roommate one of my roommates uh we just found out about six months ago he played the exact same part in high school as well he he was really into acting and and we were like oh my god like no one knows this thing and (laughs) and we had the same part and we could you know it was it was really fun yeah, and it was, it, was, it was instrumental for us both too. Like he yeah. was like, "Oh, this was the part," when you know, and I was like, "Oh, that's the same for me." You know, so it wasn't, <laughs> and it wasn't, um, you know, um, uh, and Frank, you know, but yeah. it was, you know, yeah. it was, it was, still, it was, that is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was when it started for me, and then after that, it was a real snowball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lovely. So you came over from. Australia. Yeah, so I grew up half my life in Australia. Oh yeah, yeah. and then you moved here. So yeah. what what drew you to Manchester then, out of everywhere? Uh, well, okay, so so like I say, I grew up half my life in Canada and half my life in Australia. Uh, I went to drama school with Hannah um, oh, Ellis, yeah. um, and um, and we've been best friends ever since. And so I moved back to Canada for a few years, and she moved over here to Manchester. Mm-hmm. And I was producing and, and doing theater um, and acting in, in Canada, but it was a very TV-heavy town, oh, very okay. uh, specific, a specific type of TV, TV, and uh, they weren't, it wasn't really a theater town, and, yeah. and my first passion really is theater. Yeah. I, I love theater, 
Um, I love it all, but particularly theater is something that, that I, I knew I had to, um, I had some energy that I need to put into that before I moved to other things. So after a while, you know, we were, we were talking, we were Skyping and that, and uh, I was saying, uh, I was coming to the end of a relationship at the time, and I was like, you know, I think it's time for me to move on mm-hmm. from Vancouver. And we were, she was talking about producing over here, and, you know, she's like, people come to the theater, people want the theater, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's, you know, it still struggles against Netflix, but it's, people actually will come. Yeah. You know, and I was like, well, that's, that's interesting. So we started talking, and, uh, and we decided... Well, why don't yeah? Why don't we do our theater company together? Because we were already doing it separately. Yeah. We're best friends. We've worked together in the past. We love each other, and we work well and communicate well. And yeah, and so we decided that was it. So I moved over mm. to Manchester. I was gonna, I was thinking of moving to London, but then when mm. I spoke to Han, I was like, okay, Manchester it is. It sounds like the place. Um, <laughs> and is. I and I've not regretted it for a single day. Yeah. I, I you know I like visiting London, but I love. Manchester as a city mm-hmm. and I love the the growing mm. community and scene here yeah um, yeah yeah it's exciting because I feel like it is growing mm. and opportunities are um, for the arts especially mm. are becoming more frequent in Manchester mm-hmm. so even though it's not London it's still I like the excitement of being here to see what's on the come yeah and I think I think of all the times when I was reading plays from certain theatre companies like you know a lot of the plays that I, I used to love and still would still love are like Royal Court, you know, plays yeah. and stuff like that. And you think of these kind of heydays of when, you know, they weren't the Royal Court yet. Mm. They were just, you know, they were like the new little thing or like Steppenwolf in America, you know, yeah. when they were just the kind of doing their, you know, different things, being a bit, you know, um, uh, risque and stuff yeah. like that. And, you know, and now they're huge now. They're institutions now. Mm. But, uh, you know, you... you the time when you admired them the most wasn't when they were an institution, mm. was when they were in the ground floor, you know, yeah. making it, just, just you know, creating something from nothing and inspiring yeah. others. And I think it's, it's a, you know, in London, it's hard to do, harder to do that now. Mm. But in Manchester, you really can be on that ground floor of, yeah. of starting the culture itself or, or, you know, not really. I mean, obviously, it's had a huge arts culture for a long time, but... But still, you know, especially in the theatre scene, really growing that that aspect of things into a in, into what it, when, when it will be a a real powerhouse for yeah. the world. You know? Yeah. Um. So on this uh, topic, I wanted to talk about the workshops and mm. that you provide through Mindful Acting. Mm-hmm. But first of all, just for anyone who doesn't know what it is, um, can you explain what mindfulness is? Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, this is—it's hard because yeah. you know, mindfulness is such a—it's such a, a buzzword nowadays, and and I have to, you know, I have to call myself out on you know the use of it in, in yeah. a sense too. I guess the reason I'm, I I took that word, so I've been practicing mindfulness and and meditation and and uh, Buddhism for for many years now. Mm-hmm. And I, in a sense, I want to take back that word from the superficial um, flavor or superficial reputation it's now kind of starting to have yeah. a, and, and start adding in a more, a deeper or reintroducing the deeper uh, ethical uh, aspects of it. Um, and so, yeah, so mindfulness is, you know, John Cabot's in 
who is often considered the father of Western mindfulness. Mindfulness originally in, comes from Buddhism, you know, back in many thousands of years. Um, but yeah, John Kabat-Zinn has the, you know, a working definition. He says, I'll paraphrase it. Mindfulness is paying it is a, is paying attention in a particular way on purpose to the present moment and non-judgmentally. Mm-hmm. It's something like that. It's got these elements to it, right? And I think that's a fantastic working definition. However, that's as as many many teachers of meditation mindfulness will will know that's not exhaustive. And I think John Kabat-Zinn would ex- would note that too. But yeah. you know, sometimes we just need something for brevity. But I think mindfulness is more than that. The definition that I I like to work with personally, and there's people who say it better than me, but I like this one, is coming into a non-adversarial relationship with your experience. That's why I, I think is, you know, we're so often in opposition to what is going on. Mm-hmm. I either don't want what I do have, or I do want what I don't have, or I'm ignoring mm-hmm. what's here. You know, and in, in all the situations, you're in opposition, you're an adversary to what is happening. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it's coming into a non-adversarial relationship with your with your experience or your present experience um, is is perhaps more, it, it encompasses uh, these aspects of compassion and non-judgment and in a way that, that maybe I, I prefer. And it also words like attention uh, can sometimes be uh, uh, labored too much so people think it's a concentration exercise. Mm. It's like a, men- it's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, as Sam Harris would say, it's an executive stressful and I don't think that's, the, the limits of it, you know, mindfulness is not just meant as a therapeutic or a clinical um, technique or tool for getting rid of stress. Mm. And in fact, trying to use it in such a mechanical way can often undo it, you yeah. know, by trying to get rid of stress, trying to get rid of anxiety um, actually can reinforce yeah. that experience instead of trying to come into acceptance and embracing whatever the experience is and letting go of the conceptual uh, framing of it, maybe yeah. looking to reframe that experience um, as, not, as not being negative or positive, just being what is. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Longest definition I can give <laughs> no, you. <laughs> no, but that was great. Because even yeah. for me, and I love mindfulness and stuff, mm. it's nice to hear about what, what it's what it does and what it's there for mm. um so uh yeah so we do mindful acting classes uh we have eight week ones and we have a four-week course coming up in july an eight week one coming up in september we also do one day ones tasters and that throughout the year so look out uh, the website www.mindfulacting.co.uk for those um and then we also do uh under play with fire and mindful acting we do scene study classes uh, and practical aesthetic script analysis technique as well uh you can check out on playwithfire.com or like I say, mindfulacting.co.uk. And uh, don't forget to check out our play, Some Voices, by Joe Penhall, uh, coming in the end of March and April in Liverpool and Manchester. Lovely. So within your workshops that you provide, mm. what someone who was did decide to do one of your courses, mm. um, let's say the... the, the Acting and mindfulness course that yeah. you do. Yeah, mindful course. Yeah. Yeah. What would that entail? So, um, with that, like, like I say, what we're trying to do is take a broader perspective with mindfulness. So we're not just doing, you know, uh, pay attention to your breath, keep coming back to it. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think in a sense, mindfulness uh, can be simple, mm-hmm. but as I say, we need to make things as simple as possible, but no simpler. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes it can be overly simplified. Yeah. And things that are simple aren't easy. 
necessarily. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of uh, practice, a lot of time for to to see. You know, what athletes do look looks simple, but it's not. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, or it's not. It, it maybe it's simple for them, but it's not easy. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of effort it's taken to make something second nature and simple in that way. Um. So in the eight week course, we it's really an introduction course into the perspective we take, which is on blending on essentially what we work on is this mindfulness lens. So we say that we think all what makes good actor training, or let me rephrase that, the principles that guide effective acting, effective and skillful acting, are the same principles that guide effective mindfulness practice. Yeah. Right? So they, they mirror each other. So if you are, if you can practice and, and truly embody the principles of mindfulness, this will help your acting and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah? So on the eight-week course, we'd go through, uh, we have a different kind of module, I guess a different theme, we'd say, per session. Mm-hmm. For example, first session, we start with beginner's mind, which is how to, just beginnings of letting go. First, we're just learning how to meditate, what is mindfulness, in the in the in the context that we're working with it in, which is a non-clinical setting, you know, mm-hmm. not trying to fix ourselves. Uh, beginner's mind is about uh, letting go of trying to be an expert and trying to think we know everything, yeah. and letting go into this not knowing mind, you know, kind of being willing to say I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know everything, and that's what leaves me open to new possibilities, yeah. new ways of looking at things, new perspectives. So we start with that as a grounding, and then we uh, we go into listening, which is our second session. We're doing a lot of uh, Meisner-based stuff at that point. Mm, uh, Meisner is fantastic. I love that practice, yeah. yeah. And things like listening, not just with the ears, but with the eyes, with with you know all your senses. You know, mm. we have we have more than one sense, and we have more than five senses. We could even argue, you know, and and how to how to pay attention to proximity, how to look at someone's behavior, how to really listen, as Al- Alan Alda says. Um, uh, real listening is the art uh, of uh, no no. Real listening is the willingness to let the other person change you. You yeah. know, it's uh, the uh, willingness to be changed. You know, and it's learning to really deeply listen. You know, as an actor, um, and and we look at the different ways of listening, both as a character and an actor. Uh, then we start working into uh, you know uh, emotions and uh, accessing our emotional life, and working with that more energetically. Uh, then we start going into self-compassion and the inner critic, working with the inner critic, which is such an essential thing that is not spoken about nearly enough, I think, in actor training. Yeah. You know, um, Both of those, accessing the emotional life too, I think a lot of the time training is just kind of assumed like, okay, now, be, you, know, now you have access to your emotions. It's like, well, we have a lot of baggage and trauma from our lives a lot of the time. And yeah. First, we need to be able to open up to ourselves and be vulnerable, yeah. and that takes work in itself. So. It's not about creating emotions, it's about allowing yeah. what's already there. That's yeah. the perspective we come from. And then as the course goes on in the last uh, four, uh, three or four sessions, we start blending into integration. How do we take all these, what we call pre-expressive um, exercises, you know, these uh, training techniques, and how do we put that into working on a script mm. and that sort of thing on its feet, you know, blending into a kind of scene study environment. How do I now do that? How do yeah. I... You know, I can have an exercise to work with an inner critic here and, you know, allow myself to get vulnerable here. But how do I then turn that towards the actual craft of acting itself in a, you know, in an integrated way? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I, just going on from that, mm. um, I did a research and development process a few, literally about two weeks ago. And I worked with a director called Marco Bella, who is just amazing. And she got us to do this exercise. And now you're talking about it, I'm mm. starting to connect the, mm -hmm. the two. Um, and she got us to do this exercise. First of all, we just walked around the room, just curious about the room, looking to see what was different from yesterday, that kind of thing. And then we start, she was like, okay, so you can sit, lie down, kneel or stand. Um, and I want you to take a moment and understand what it is to just take a moment. Mm -hmm. And at first, that to me is so, um, what's it, broad, mm -hmm. that I was like, I don't, I, all I was, I was thinking, I was thinking and overthinking and overthinking, and then I don't know what it means to take, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. So we were, there was three of us walking around the space, and we were just kneeling and sitting, and you, and then she was like, use the space, use, we had a piece of set, and she was like, use the set, do different things, and just do anything, just mm -hmm. do things that um, in get, get into your body and out of your head and do mm -hmm. what your body tells you to do. Mm -hmm. And that for me is so, is simple, but it was really difficult so because difficult. I'm definitely an overthinker, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. So I found at the start of the exercise, there was always about three second hesitation of me going, maybe I could do this, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe I could do this, then I'd move. Um, and that, that's definitely something I learned in the process. But as we went on, we, we kind of, as a three, we ended up using each other. Mm -hmm. And it became, after a while, because we did do this exercise for about an hour, mm -hmm. um, and after a while of being involved in the exercise, I did start to break that three-second thing and just do, mm -hmm. and just mm -hmm. go. Yes. Which for me is a scary thing because I think about everything that I do I'm yeah. definitely a very cautious person in day-to-day -day life um and I'm a warrior mm -hmm. I just am even when it comes like well, especially when it came down to maybe I could put my arm on Jane like mm -hmm. and I'd think mm -hmm. and like in the end I just did it which was a big step for me but I found that within that well, I was making relationships with the three people and I didn't know these two people. I'd met them the day before, so I hardly knew them. Mm -hmm. um, but emotions definitely started to happen mm -hmm. when I was very involved in what was going on. Yes. Um, and there was a point where Jane, she looked at me and she put a hand out to me and the, I think I, I just stood there and... All I want, all I did was stand there and, and just look at her and I couldn't, my body was saying, I was just in my body, like I wasn't thinking about, oh, maybe I could put my hand, I was just looking at Jane mm. and it sounds, it sounds really dramatic, but it mm. wasn't, mm -hmm. but I was looking at Jane and I got really emotional, mm. I, f I really felt um, like a, a really deep sense of loneliness mm -hmm. and I was just looking at her. And then I couldn't move. I couldn't find, I wasn't thinking, but I couldn't find anything to move. And she kept coming forward to me. Mm. And then I just, 
I just hugged her mm. and it was like a thing of I wasn't thinking. Mm. I was so involved in that moment at the time mm-hmm. that everything, like I was just being, mm-hmm. I wasn't overthinking and that was the moment that I was like, right, mm. I, I understand what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I did get emotional and mm. I... <laughs> It's funny because this was the first day, the first hour, and I was already crying. I was already getting upset, but I couldn't help it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help the way that I felt. Mm. And I think that was definitely a big change in the way I think about acting now. Yeah. Because I think about it more of a act of, like you were saying about demonstration. Mm. Demonstrating for me isn't helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, in that moment, I learned to just being mm-hmm. um, is definitely the most, definitely, it's so simple, yeah. but it's, when when people, when actors say, oh, I was so in it, I was so in the moment, mm-hmm. blah, blah, you don't, I don't, I didn't before that moment understand what yes, that was. what it means I to be in the moment. Un- yeah, 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 I didn't mm-hmm. get that. Be truly present, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was just so interesting, even, she just looked at me and I just, it was just a really big moment for I couldn't move and I couldn't do anything, but it's because I was going with my instinct yes. and I was doing everything that my instinct was telling me to rather than doing that. Judging. Yeah, that judging thing of that three second thing of what should I do now? Yeah, what trying I do to now? control it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, too much control. Yeah, yeah, and I'm definitely like that story just really um, made me think connect something to what you were just explaining then yeah um, and i think it that's quite it's quite a big yeah connection that's right there. it goes back and forth yeah. that's right and you know because the, ho- the the holy grail as actors is to be in the moment you know yeah this, yeah you know but what does it mean to be in the moment mm. or more more importantly what is it what's the experience of being in the moment and i think sometimes it can be looked at like it's this like people are just like just be in the moment and it's like that's it's annoying sometimes. Yeah, that can like be. How? Sh- how? It's like telling someone to relax. You know, it doesn't work. You know, doesn't. <laughs> yeah. That's not what what works. But starting to figure out that being present is, in a certain sense, an unconditional experience. One can be present in with any experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and learning how to do that and how to work with your experience. It. it so you're never. You know, when you're performing, it's not like oh, I got you know one in one of the runs to the whole. Of the of the show period, I was present, you know, and that was the good one, and everything else kind of just felt like I was just judging myself the whole time. Like yeah. there's a way to just be in it mm. most of the time, yeah, you know, and and letting go of that inner critic and not indulging it and not pushing it away either, but just mm. going okay, and and I can be present with that, and I can be present with that, and then eventually what happens is yeah, that conceptual thinking that's not particularly helpful in this moment drops away because mm-hmm. that's a you know it's a planning mind and that's not helpful mm-hmm. when you're just trying to be in it in the present moment with someone and that's right you know act and acting methodologies since you know going very far back um, have used a lot of exercises that that you could say stumble upon what we might call mindfulness in mm-hmm. a sense they, they they know what works I mean acting is 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 a um, is an experiential art form, right? Mm. So it's it's not like I say. Sometimes we can fall into like a trying to make it too scientific, yeah. in a sense. And understanding the the why something, the mechanics of something, can be helpful. 
but at the same time we need to go back to just the experience of the thing and mm. and and how do we uh, drop into that so yeah I mean there's even evidence they say that Stanislavski and back in those days and that it, you know there was influence coming in uh, from the east about meditation and stuff like mm. that and if you look at certain method exercises there's like they do relaxation that you know and, and sensory stuff that very much mirrors um, different types of meditations you yeah. know um, and and that and we can see so that's this, these things are useful you know so like I say it's not just we're not just bringing mindfulness from the east kind of concept into acting we're taking acting vice versa too you know mm. so it's like we've had non-actors do the course we've had psychologists do the course yeah. you know and they're going oh this is really helpful mm. yes how, this is an exercise I can do this and so you know for example this next exercise we do called the 20 minute dance which is uh, similar to what you were uh, you know, it's it's got very little parameters, yeah. and I hated this exercise yeah. the first time I did. It. I hated it because I was just like, "What do I?" And it was just mm-hmm. all about letting go of the of the of the planning mind, letting go of the knowing mind, mm. just not knowing. And you're like, "What the fuck does that mean?" Yeah. You know, like how do I how do I not how do I not know when I know? You know, and you <laughs> you get into this loop. Yeah, you do. <laughs> you know, and you're like, "Well, that doesn't." I have to not. You know, but and it's because you can't you can't think your way out of thinking. Yeah. It's about getting into your body. You know, getting yeah. into into your your immediate experience. You know, because mm. they say you know your mind, <coughs> you know, and your conceptual mind can be in the past and the and the future at at any time, or it can be in the present. But your body's always in the present. Mm. So when you and this this kind of can go on to sort of to tangent here, but mm. there's another book I was going to mention earlier called The Master and His Emissary. Yeah. Which um, I've been reading over the last year, and it's really really great work it's left brain right brain stuff Mm. but it's very different to the other perspectives that we might have heard on this it's much less simple Mm. uh you know it's not trying to be too simple with that but it's talking about left brain and right brain dominance and you know how how our society and our culture is really geared towards left brain dominance nowadays with conceptual thinking and this you know a lot of these things that you would you might struggle with and actors will struggle with with this you know this judging and all that sort of stuff and Whereas right brain, when you can come into some right brain dominance with activities like acting, then uh, it, you can you can drop into your body and the experience, and you can let go, and it, it's much more comfortable with amb- ambiguity and paradox and not knowing. And you know, the left brain is trying to grasp things all the time, always wants to understand it, and the right brain is just willing to experience it, you know, and kind of have a more holistic perspective, or you know, not once again not to use woolly words here, but you know, just in the in the true sense of that word, of the yeah. whole. The mm. whole, the whole experience without go, without always just trying to attend to one specific thing, yeah, and not trying to control all the time. It's just willing to let go, yeah, and you know what one might say, uh, invest in the in the being in doing. Mm. You know, you can just be while you're doing, yeah, instead of thinking while you're doing, yeah. You know? Not not to give thinking a bad name. We all have to think, and yeah, and you know it's a much more complex discussion when you get into what is thought and all that. Yeah. But yes, but it's about yeah. Being present, mm. that's it. It's about coming into our presence in yeah. a non-judgmental way. Yeah. You know, how uh, do we do that? Yeah. Yeah. So within the industry, mm. we're all, this industry can be a very toxic industry. Mm-hmm. It can also be a very rewarding industry. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of mental health within the industry, mm. what do you think we as a collective can do to... Um, to support each other mm. um, and kind of 
not help. <laughs> this question is not coming out the way I want it to. But how can we support each other and help each other best in the way of mental welfare mm. and kind of going against that toxicity yeah. that this industry can produce? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I'll, I'd start with two things. One, I'll talk about community, true community and friendship within that. Um, and not perpetuating the bullshit. Mm. Not perpetuating uh, an unhealthy and, as you say, toxic perspective on what the industry should be. You know, like, okay, the example I can give is this. When I, you know, when I audition, you know, it still to this day drives me nuts that you walk into so many auditions, there's a desk, there's people behind it mm. as a panel. Yeah. The separation, it feels, you know, and every actor knows what it's like to be on that side of it. And it just, the, the mechanics of it alone are not going to get you to do the best work. Yeah. Right? And everyone knows how awful that experience is and, and how they would improve it. Yet when they, many times when these people become producers or directors or they start casting their own things, they, they keep that same behavior. Mm. Knowing that there's a better way to get better work from someone. Mm. And that, you know... And I think that's the thing. We, we give in to the culture. That we give in to the, the um, not delusion, the is-ought fallacy, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, because it is this way, it ought to be that way. You yeah. know? Because we, that's how auditions are done, and I did it that way. Mm. You know? I was bullied going through work. I was bullied go going through school. And look, I turned out great. Mm. Not recognizing that you're freaking traumatized from that yeah. experience, and then you're just doing that to someone else. So mm. it's, it's, a, it's a small example, but I'm saying like, we we got to stop perpetuating this idea of of an external idea of success you know we 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 do acting and art um it's not it's not the money maker mm -hmm. that you know the peripheral benefits from acting and art are not there if those are your drives fine but this is, should not be where you're at mm -hmm. you know it's just fine to want that as well but if you know if if you want money and security, then then you don't do another job if that's what you really mm. need, you know. Um, and I, but I still think that's an unhealthy perspective, yeah. you know. But we shouldn't be pulling that into the arts now, you know. And this is I have this uh, one controversial point on this: like, act actors and artists are not just entertainers. I mm. I used to say they're just they're not entertainers. Yeah. <laughs> I got huge flack for that. <laughs> But certainly they're not just entertainers, right? There's, yeah. an there's an element to entertainment, of course, in all art. But we can't be... Uh, I, I don't want us thinking about ourselves as a product anymore. Mm. You can think about what you do in a, in a, with, a, with a business mind. Of course, you know, you need that for finances and stuff. But I, I completely disagree with this perspective that you should look at yourself like a product. That's so dehumanizing. Mm -hmm. It's so unhealthy. We should yeah. be looking at no one as a product, no one as an object. Everyone as a human, mm. everything, every creature as a being, not something to serve me, mm. you know? And I, because I think we fall into really unhealthy relationships with that. That's what happens with audiences and, and performers nowadays. You owe me mm. rather than we're here to share. Yeah. We're here to experience something together, mm -hmm. you know? And we need each other for this experience. Actors cannot perform without an audience and audiences cannot experience a story without actors and directors and lighting and everything not to neglect anyone 
So uh, what I'm saying is we need to start coming to, we need to stop trying to take the corporate world's vision of the world, you know, and this, this selfish capitalistic version of things mm -hmm. and placing it into this industry. We need to stop that because that's what's driving to us to so much mental illness, mm. so, much, so many breakdowns, so many you know, external successes with no internal fulfillment. So that would be the first thing is stop perpetuating the unhealthy aspects of a culture that you know are unhealthy mm. and start putting in the ones that you think are healthy. And to that end, I'd say community. Yeah. We talk about the acting community and the artistic community, but it's not, you know, mm. it's not that. Yeah. Um, at the moment, not, or it's not the pinnacle of what it could be, you know, we need to start supporting each other genuinely and not just blowing smoke up each other's asses, you know, uh, I think so, once again, not tearing each other down for for right effort, for mm. a good for a good effort, you know, um, and then and just and then just put using our, ourselves to promote each other in in unhealthy ways, you know. Yeah. I'm not saying that there there can't be any of that, but I'm saying we should actually be willing to be friends with each other, yeah. you know, actually be willing to go deeper, not just be willing to actually talk about the things that are deep to us about what we do not just what were you in, not asking the same questions that the taxi driver or our neurotic families ask of us. Mm. What have you been in lately? What mm. are you doing? You know, that makes us all feel inadequate competing with each other and calling it a community, you yeah. know? And I do feel a sense of that creeping in. The bigger something gets, it's almost inevitable. We start becoming a little bit more like London, a little bit yeah. less communicative, you know? Um, you know, we don't actually want to help each other. We just want to troll each other, you know? We want to be in there to get our names in, in the hats. And, you know, we do self-tapes, but we never help each other out. Mm. We never ask for help. We never say, hey, can someone come help me? Yeah. Can a friend, can a colleague who I've done a project with, can a friend who's also an actor, can you just come spend an hour with me and film and read for me? We're doing it on our own. We're getting our partners to do it, mm, you know? Yeah. Like, so we need to start actually investing in real, real community with each other and, you know, spending that time. And there's some people out there who really are doing that. You know, um, they do these groups and stuff, these meetup groups, and I think they're fantastic. You know, I think we need more of real community and real friendship, not um, saying we're all in it together mm -hmm. and, and casually undermining each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just as, like, kind of to finish off, mm -hmm. um, I'm quite passionate about theatre inclusivity mm -hmm. and diversity mm -hmm. and... Making theatre accessible mm -hmm. um, for people who wouldn't usually go, mm -hmm. and also on the flip side, introducing to uh, actors, creatives to theatre who wouldn't usually decide to take part. Mm -hmm. um, so, quite a broad question, but what are your opinions on inclusivity and diversity in the industry? And do you think there is anything that we as a collective can do to make it better yeah i think i think but also you know i don't want to and i i get the feeling i'm sounding a little bit preachy at times here but <laughs> it's just you know these are my my thoughts my yeah, opinions yeah. that's all they are <coughs> pardon me <coughs> um i would say i would say inclusivity and diversity and that they're they're important because we want to get to a point where they're no longer words yeah you know we want to get to a point where where we just we don't there's no the word would lose its meaning, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. equality, and that would just be the norm. We'd mm -hmm. be like, what's the opposite, you know? 
in a sense. I mean, I, that's quite lofty, but I, I think, yeah, we all have responsibility, but I don't think I can, I can point the finger at whose responsibility. Mm. It's everyone's to do their little bit, yeah. you know, and, and what I would say on it once again is, is coming from a place of authenticity and, and, and not just virtue signaling, not saying I'm doing this thing and look how great I am with it, you know, um, you know, like doing it because that just, that, that makes sense, mm. you know, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough argument mm. at, at times, like to, to what extent do you cast someone because of aspects of mm. their character, you know, external aspects of their character and that, yeah. that's, it's a tricky ground, you know, mm. it's tricky ground because I, I, you know, certainly I, I, I imagine some people could find that really insulting in a way mm. or kind of, you know, um, infantilizing mm. you know yeah like uh, you know like you uh, someone needs your charity but you know i think yeah i don't have an easy answer for that of mm. course i support it yeah i i i, I find it hard pressed to find a reason why someone wouldn't mm-hmm. but the 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 means to that end i'm not sure i'm not sure the best way i really just don't mm. have a it's a not a clear cut it's not clear cut it's, it's just not, not simple clear anytime someone answer, comes yeah. up with a with a you know even if you know anything I've said sounds overly simplistic, it means it's you know it's got gaping holes in the mm, argument. Yeah, I think. yeah, absolutely. you know. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I'd have to go. I'd have to be given a sh- kind of specifics. Yeah, on yeah, it, yeah, 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 totally. But I also I also register that you know I there's your question before about mental health too, and uh, you know I kind of talked in the broad sense, but I, th- I should probably address something about the more immediate yeah. individual sense too. Yeah. You know. I think what's really important in that side is that we should be really uh, taking responsibility or, or or taking good care of ourselves mentally and emotionally um, and investing in other aspects of our lives that are not outside the industry as well. You know, as I say to many of my students, you're not an actor. You're a person who acts. Mm. It's something you do. It's not who you are. Yeah. And anytime you start building your identity on what you do, um, it's because everything is impermanent. It's a recipe for tragedy. It's a recipe for disaster. Mm. You know, I, I remember the time when I made this shift in my life because certainly I used to think like that, like I'm an actor and if I can't act, I don't know what I'll do, you mm. know? And, and and I remember seeing, um, this was in Canada, I remember seeing someone who was profoundly disabled um, until they'd been in some sort of accident. And they were, you know, with a few people, and they're going down the street. They're in a wheelchair, and but they looked quite happy, and I wasn't happy yeah. at that point in my life. And I looked at them and was like, "They're happy. Look at, look at everything I have that they don't have in the most mm-hmm. basic sense, and they're happy. Mm-hmm. At least right now, you know. There has to be a way. Yeah. There has to be a way to be happy, in spite of the conditions, in a sense, you know." If what if something happens to me that I just cannot sustain a career in acting? What am I gonna do? Just give up on life? I don't think that's mm. I don't think that's a good argument. No. I don't think that's that's the right thing. It's like I have to find a way. There has to be a way. So that after that, my my journey was about that. There has to be a way to be happy, truly happy. I don't mean just haha joyful, you know, but well being, mm. you know, meaning, having meaning in our lives, um, despite whatever conditions we're, we're given. 
you know? Yeah. And I think important it's important, therefore, to start investing, putting your eggs not on all in one basket, mm. you know? You don't have to have a crappy job to support your acting. Find something else you love as yeah. well. Spend some time investing in that so that all of your life can be as good as possible, not mm. just the few moments you might get because we all know it's an imbalanced yeah. situation, you know? Investing in your relationships, investing in, like I say, your mental health. Go to therapy. Mm. For goodness sakes, we need to start going to therapy. I would, I would love it when we get to a, t- a point in our civilization where we don't need it anymore mm. and we're just being kind friends to each other and that therapy has lost, once again, its usefulness, yeah. you know? But right now, you know, it, it's, it's a modern solution to a modern set of problems. Mm. And I think we need to start unpacking the various traumas and things that we've gone through in our lives, you know? And you don't have to have gone through anything uh, truly specific no. to yeah. have that. Mm. Have you lived life? You've got them. You've mm. got these things that need to be unpacked, need to start taking control or you know, coming into relationships with ourselves in a more healthy way, mm. being kinder to ourselves. And I'm saying, like, not in this woo-woo way, mm. you know, I, in, a, in a practical way yeah. as well, you know. Um, and so meditation, I think that's it for me. No, yeah. it's not just it, but meditation, um, yeah, therapy, true community, Mm-hmm. You know, I have true community around me, and that's the thing I, I, I see missing from everyone I know when I, when I got an issue. Mm. You know, my students come to me because I do one-to-one sessions. Mm. You know, a lot of that, and a lot of it will be working about their relationship to acting or their relationship to life. Yeah. You know, that's what's in the way of their acting. And just as Stanford Meisner said, whatever hinders our task is our task. Yeah. Right? If, if you, can spend all, you can spend all your time you like on your on-camera on class, Right? But if you can't address those basic aspects of not being able to be vulnerable even for a moment, right, because of your childhood or because your parents split up or because mm. of, you know, all worthy reasons, then you're not going to make much progress. Mm. So it is the best thing for your acting to deal with your personal life yeah. and come into better relationship with that. Don't put it on hold, mm. you know. Not to get too dark here, but we can all die at any moment, yeah. you know. And certainly I don't want my time and my last moments to have been spent uh, neurotically worrying about the next gig. Mm-hmm. And it's the only place of meaning in my life. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just want to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much. Um, I think it was a really insightful discussion. And I learned a lot of stuff. <laughs> Even that story that I was telling you before, just connecting the dots was so interesting for me. Mm. So thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and yeah, tune in next time. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Connecting Creatives podcast. If you'd like to know anything more about the project, please email us at connectingcreativesoutlook.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at create underscore connect. And on Facebook, our page is Connecting Creatives 1. We have just introduced our Connecting Creatives Backstate Bits vlogs, where you can go behind the curtain of different productions to show some of the rehearsal footage, as well as our backstage features, including props, costumes, venues, and an interview with the creative team. To see these, please go to our YouTube channel by typing in Connecting Creatives into the search bar. Please follow us on all social media to keep up to date with our content and if you and your production would like to feature on the podcast or even one of our backstage bit vlogs or if you have any other inquiries please email us at connectingcreatives at outlook.com thank you for listening